Hi, this is Pip Ballantyne, and you're listening to The Melting Podcast, where it's all very sticky. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Thing on? Yeah. It's on. I turned it's it on. on. I was playing. <laughs> I know, I was playing back. <laughs> you want me to do this or not? <laughs> We're bad at this game. <laughs> this isn't a. What is wrong with you two? How the hell we've been going for this many years? I will never know. Me neither. How many years has it been? Um, three plus one. Very good. <laughs> I don't math. Okay, so anyway, Lexicon of Sewers and Word Chefs, welcome to episode 64 of the Melting Podcast, our four-year anniversary! Woo! We are barely out of toddlerhood. Yay! We're asking why, 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 But why? why? All the time. Mine! No, we're not two anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappin. I'm your grill, Mistress Aaron Kazmark. And I'm the dish boy. Theo Kazmark. Yes. We got Theo today because this is a very special episode. I think we already established that I know, with the whole it, four thing. But it four. bears repeating four times. Why? 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 That's so accurate it hurts. I know, right? <laughs> what do you say we go ahead and get this party started? We've got a lot of content. This is a party? Yeah. Ooh, who brought dip? You were supposed to. <laughs> I always have dips. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is, we have a lot of content, because, you know, very special episode. Especially with the garbage truck outside. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> happening. That's very exciting. So. 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 Why? 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 Because. Because people sent us submissions. They sent us stuff. They sent us stuff. They did send us and stuff. And we have You to sent it. us stuff. Yes. Now, what we have for our first stuff. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is a couple of Stoke the Fire stories. Stoke the Fire stories are flash fiction 1500 words or less based on our prompts. And we have some people that went a little out of the box again. Which is good. Boxes are stupid. Yeah, because. No these... more boxes. Boycott the box. Yeah. Hashtag. Got the box. Because these are based off of kind of a prompt and a half. Rule breakers. Yes. So I thoroughly approve. You would. I do. So the two prompts that these are based off of are prompt number 14. A rash of people have just entered the emergency room, all of them exhibiting superpowers. Rashes are itchy. And prompt number 15. There's an expiration date for your birth certificate. It's only a few days away. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Oh, hey, Theo's still here. Yeah. I am. Hey, Theo, can you say bon appetit? Bon appetit. Expiry by Christopher Michael Doctor, we've got a problem. I swore and turned to the voice. Nurse Michelson stood over yet another patient. In my entire career in the ER, I had never seen this many patients hit all at once. Even last month's bus crash only brought in 20 or so. We were looking at 50 now, 
and the radio suggested at least twice that many headed to other emergency departments around the city. I muttered another curse, walked over to the bed, and took the chart. There was an odd note at the bottom about checking the birth certificate. What brought you in today, Mr. Burton? Nurse Michelson shook his head and pointed at the lower leg. Look at that, Elizabeth! I frowned at him. The panic in his voice was not helping keep the patient calm. Before I could say anything, however, I looked where he was pointing. And stared. The flesh was being... Eaten was the best way I could describe it. Maybe dissolved was a better word? Replaced? It was hard to describe. I guess it didn't matter either. The skin was turning into... Granite? Slate? Concrete? Rock of some kind, anyway. Exactly what kind probably didn't much matter. I glanced over. Get the samples and run them to the lab. Now. I want to know what we're... Doctor, over here! The panicked voice that interrupted me came from Nurse Caldwell. I glanced in her direction and saw what she was looking at. Her patient was glowing red and the heat was warping the air. Blinking slowly, I pulled up the patient's chart. His symptoms were similar to Burton's. Migraines, extreme body aches, nausea, and again that note about the birth certificate. I was about to pull up the attached image when I was interrupted. Michelson was beside me and staring at a seemingly empty bed. Except it wasn't empty. There was a hospital gown on it, holding the shape of a person. I walked over and gently put my hand out. It felt like a human torso. I moved my hands to the arms and legs. They were there. The patient was there. For some reason, I couldn't see her. I pulled up the chart, read through it, and looked away. That made three. Three people with the same presenting symptoms. Three people with the same note at the bottom of the chart. Three people turning into some sort of... Superman? Was it coincidence? I shook my head. It didn't feel right for coincidence. I caught Michelson's eye. Forget what I said. We need CDC here stat. Get on the horn. Let them know what we're dealing with. I raised my voice to be heard by the rest of the emergency department staff. Everybody, stop treating your patients. Check their charts. I heard the mumbled complaints and held up my hand. Migraines, body aches, nausea, an odd note about their birth certificate. I paused, hesitant to continue. We have an epidemic. No idea what kind. No clue the cause. But this city is the focus. At least I hoped it was only the city. If this weirdness was worldwide or even nationwide, we were in serious trouble. Within minutes, we had the information. 48 of the 57 patients had the same presenting symptoms and the same notes. Of those, more than 20 were manifesting what I could only call superpowers. 
I rubbed my neck in frustration. Someone get me those birth certificates. Maybe there's something there. It took time, but eventually we were all looking at the digital images. The realization didn't settle in immediately. It wasn't until Dr. Roth pointed it out that we saw it. Each of the documents had two dates. They had a date of birth and an expiration date. Both dates were identical. Both dates were today. Doctor, look at that! I turned my head to see what Nurse Regina was so excited about. She was pointing to the digital forms. I glanced over and gaped in shock. The images had radically changed. The information within them was almost completely blacked out, like those redacted documents you see on the news sometimes. The expiration date was gone erased from the certificate. In its place was a date of rebirth, with today's date. Suddenly, the doors to the ER slammed open. A large group of people in black suits stormed in and began disconnecting our patients from the monitors. As soon as the connections were severed, they started to wheel them out. No words. No introductions. No apologies. I planted myself in front of the group. Hold it. Nobody goes anywhere without my say-so. The oldest member of the group, Army if I had to guess, stepped forward to stare me down. Listen, doctor, these are the property of the United States government. Now you can get out of the way and forget you ever saw us, or you can choose to... His voice trailed off and he shook his head. Well, it just seems more than a bit inconsiderate, you know? Leaving that mess for your friends to deal with? I blinked, unmoving, more out of fear than anything else. I'd sewn up drug dealers, performed surgery on bangers, and stood between two made men as their opposing capos were receiving emergency treatment. I had never before felt like my life was in immediate danger. Right now... I did. Still, I didn't move. Where the devil are you taking our patients? He smiled coldly. They're not your patients, doctor. They're our property. Now get out of the way. His voice, smooth with just a slight southern drawl, raised goose flesh all over me. He didn't wait for me to move. He pushed past and led the goons into the night. I shivered in the silent department. The information we had been looking at was gone, wiped from existence. Dr. Anderson walked up to me. Doctor? They didn't just wipe the boards. He held out his tablet. Every piece of information regarding the patients was gone, as if it had never existed. I stared blankly at the staff around me. Finally, I breathed a deep sigh. <sighs> All right, people, let's get back to work. We still have patience. I glanced at Billy Blake, the lead nurse. Billy, get rid of the people we dragged in on their night off. I let my shoulders slump slightly as the adrenaline of the night wore off. We don't need them now. Without listening for a reply, I slipped away. 
Later, in a supply closet, I pulled up my own birth certificate. My rapid breathing stopped. It was exactly as I remembered. And now I knew what it meant. Today's date? January 1st, 2029. My expiration date? January 4th. I had three days. The Waiting Doom by Hugh J. O'Donnell The mismatched pair appeared on the patient's entrance to Dr. Sylvia McPuffin's private clinic one rainy spring morning. Janice, the morning nurse, waited at the sign-in desk and polished the tips of her finger scales with an emery board as they bickered their way inside. I don't need to see your friend, the tall one insisted. He had long, slightly matted auburn red hair with a matching beard. A human, pale and obviously feverish. Janice's wide black eyes opened even farther with interest. While Dr. McPuffin was a qualified general practitioner and could treat most of the different peoples of Carabos, humans were rare at her practice. Don't be such a baby, Joachim, his companion said. She was a hillfolk woman of less than half his height, with short black hair and icy blue eyes. She wore long black gloves, more suitable to the opera than a doctor's office. At least the morning wouldn't be dull, Janice thought. I'm not, Glory, Joachim said. I don't need to see a doctor because I'm not... <coughs> 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 A long fit of dry, hacking coughs interrupted him. I'm not sick, he finished hoarsely. Hmm, Glory said, hanging her cloak up on a hook by the door at her height. Joaquin kept his long gray coat. She's very good, you know. Not like those quacks and bird masks up in Talltown. She'll have you fighting fit in no time. I can take care of myself. Joaquim protested. I get my humors balanced every year. I cannot even begin to explain the fallaciousness of that statement, the petite woman said, looking about the room with an appraising eye. It was well-appointed, but utilitarian. To one side, a pair of leviathan-skin sofas flanked a low table piled with newspapers and periodicals. The opposite wall was lined with stools for patients that would find the couches awkward. She crossed the aisle between them and signed in at the desk. She looked up at Janice and gave her a polite smile. Vern, eight o'clock? She asked, as though Janice couldn't read what she had just written. The river folk nurse returned a thin-lipped, toothless smile. Her gills flexed peevishly, but her voice remained neutral. Have a seat. Dr. McPuffins will be with you shortly. I bet she doesn't even know what black bile looks like, Joachim grumbled as he dropped onto a hide cushion. No wonder humans almost never made it past 100. They were too stupid to stay alive. Don't be ridiculous. I've been seeing her for years, and she agreed to consult at a discount. We're not precisely affluent at the moment, Joachim. That's not... <coughs> 
Joachim sneezed and blew his nose on his sleeve. Not treating illnesses is how we die the straw death, Joachim. Do we want to die the straw death? The big man rolled his eyes. No glory. There you go. Don't worry. A quick examination, a brief excursion to the druggist, and we'll have you back home resting before you know it. I believe Bingo is trying his hand at chicken soup as we speak. Joachim turned to face his companion. You're being suspiciously nice in your own way. She didn't meet his eyes. You're ill. People should be looked after when ill. It is a universal law. Besides, I'll need my warrior in fighting shape next time we go out of the city on errands. Joaquin grunted a laugh, which brought on another coughing fit. Glory picked up a magazine from the table and sat down next to him. Although the sofa wasn't particularly high, she had to hop, and her feet dangled in open space. The paper was so large relative to her that it may as well have been a newspaper. Joachim reached forward and pawed dejectedly through the stack. Nothing caught his interest. The newspapers were yellow and old, and the periodicals tended towards the medical and magical trades. A few were written in languages he didn't recognize, and one was in a script that he avoided looking at too closely. He'd last seen it inscribed in blood on the floor of a cultist hideout they'd raided. He crossed his arms and decided to just wait miserably. The bell above the door chimed, and a shrouded figure shuffled in. She was human tall, with a face-obscuring black scarf. She signed in without a word and took a stool as far as possible from the two of them. She had just finished getting comfortable when she was rocked from her perch by a series of violent sneezes. The last one tilted her head back and released a gout of flame that burned right through the scarf, littering the room with ashy scraps and the smell of burnt wool. The red-faced half-elf woman swore under her breath and replaced the wrap with another from her pocket before carefully resuming her perch. Glory, what was that? Joachim asked. The magazine twitched, but the wizard didn't look up. Pyrothomic allergy. Don't be rude. What kind of pie? he asked. She's allergic to fire magic. Simply put, wizards take in lay energy to do spells. They can have reactions the same way people do to food. There was a boy in my freshman year classes with an earth magic allergy. He eventually had to have surgery to remove all the rocks that built up in him. He dropped out and became an accountant, I think. Huh, Joachim said, nonplussed. The woman sneezed into her sleeve and quickly patted her arm out. It's not contagious, Glory said. But she should really be sneezing into a shield, if only for safety's sake. A few minutes later, the door chimed again. Joachim found himself watching the door more out of boredom than alertness. But this patient was as strange as the last. He was a tall man with bright red hair. His clothes fit badly and had a number of hastily patched tears. He had no sooner hung his hat and coat on the low row of hooks when he was suddenly gripped by a violent seizure. Joachim rose out of his seat, but a hand on his arm paused him. Just a moment. You might be worried over nothing, 
Glory said. The convulsions stopped as quickly as they had come, but the patient had somehow been replaced by a woman almost as short as Glory, with close-cropped brown hair. She took careful steps toward the desk, as though she was uncertain of her balance. By the time she'd reached the other side of the room, her skin had sprouted silvery scales. Uncontrollable transformation syndrome, Glory explained. A side effect of magic poisoning. I had a nasty bout of it myself at university. My water-breathing charm leaked, and I didn't know if I had gills or lungs for weeks. What about him? Joachim asked. A third patient entered on the heels of the unfortunate changeling. He was a dwarf. His long, jet-black beard was flecked with spit and something else that glinted in the light. He made it halfway to the desk when he became violently ill. Joaquim watched with distaste as the dwarf threw up a sticky pile of gold coins. Oh, he's cursed. Glory went back to her magazine as though it were the most normal thing in the world. I wouldn't touch the coins if I were you. They're usually highly transmissible. Joaquim pretended that he hadn't been eyeing the gold when a thought struck him. Glory? What kind of doctor is McPuffins, anyway? She's a general practitioner, Glory said. Really? Well, Dr. McPuffins does have a specialty in eldritch diseases, but she's good, and agreed to see you. Joaquim frowned. It wasn't like Glory to be so motherly. And while she was technically correct, there was something off about her vagaries. Is that the only reason we're here? You wound me. Glory. Joaquim let an edge sink into his baritone. The magus sighed. Fine. I've been trying to work on reverse engineering a healing spell to prevent certain infections, and it's not going well. And? She hesitated. And there may be a small chance you were exposed to my control group. The barbarian's thick fingers clenched one arm of the couch. She'd cursed him by accident and hadn't bothered to tell him. Again. He was about to tell her exactly where she could go and what she could do there, march out and see a proper human plague doctor, when Janice called his name. Mr. Vern? Glory put down her magazine. Concern etched itself into her features. Joaquim sighed. He stood up and followed her into the doorway beyond, carefully avoiding the stinking pile of coins, which were already starting to turn black and smoke. He hated going to the doctor. We're back! Like that? Sure. <laughs> did, did, did that work? Yeah, that worked. We're back, we're back yeah. from promo. We're back. No, no, we didn't go to promo. We're back from stories. We're back from stories. <laughs> we're going to we're going to mystery meal. We just listened to stories. We're back from listening to the stories. The stories were great. You know what we should do? What? It's a mystery because I, I don't know what's going on right now. But I, I think there's a meal involved. Okay, let's eat. Friends, crew members, Country kitchen room. staff. Oh, I saw. Junior chef. Oh, and socks. And socks. It is time for a mystery meal. Junior chef, do you know what that means? Uh, 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 socks. Uh, oh, okay. uh, socks. I think I'm going to take that as a no. Uh, socks. 
It, it has to do with his socks, <clears throat> clearly. <clears throat> Apparently. The mystery meal segment it's involves falling. gravity. <laughs> the mystery meal segment is where we take scenes from classic literature, turn them into Mad Libs, and destroy them with your help. These are unedited, and we do have a junior chef here, so you might get to hear him. Can you say hi? Hi. Yeah, he's going to help us. I want my shit. Okay, come here, bud. <clears throat> are we ready? I think we're ready. What is the selection? Today's selection is Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. This is the scene towards the beginning of the book where we are learning about the cloning procedure. Excellent. Take it away. I shall begin. Say go. go. I shall fold at the beginning, <laughs> said the DHC, and the more gnarly students recorded his intention in their notebooks. <laughs> begin at the beginning. These, he waved his uvula, are the incubators. <laughs> <laughs> and opened an insulated door, he showed them racks upon racks of numbered noodles. The week's supply of ova, kept, he explained, at blood heat, whereas the male gametes, and here he vandalized another door, <laughs> they have to be kept at 35 instead of 37. Full blood heat sterilizes. Rams wrapped, the <clears throat> rams wrapped in thermogene beget no lambs. <clears throat> Still frolicking against the incubators he gave them, <laughs> while the pencils scurried illegibly across the pages, a flaming description of the modern fertilizing process spoke first, of course, of its surgical introduction, the operation undergone voluntarily for the good of Ardvark, not to mention the fact that it carries a bonus amounting to 525,600 months' salary. <laughs> continued with some account of the technique for drinking the excised ovary alive and actively developing. Passed on to a consideration of optimum temperature, salinity, sponginess, referred to the sewer water in which the detached and ripened eggs were kept, and, leading his charges to the work tables, actually showed them how this liquor was choked off from the test tubes. How it was let out drop by drop onto the specially extemporaneous slides of the microscopes. How the eggs which it contained were inspected for smartphones, counted and transferred to a quirky receptacle. And how, and he now took them to watch the operation, this receptacle was desalinated and effing bullion. <laughs> containing free-swimming spermatozoa. <laughs> at a minimum concentration of zero per cubic centimeter. Zero. That's definitely he insisted. <laughs> and how, after ages of time, the container was lifted out of the liquor and its contents re-examined. How, if any of the eggs remained salty, it was again immersed. No. And, if necessary, yet again. How the fertilized ova went back to the incubators, where the where the misters and betas remained until it definitely bottled, while the gammas, future dark overlords, and epsilons <laughs> were brought out again after only one zero one 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 zero one zero one hours. 
you do the math, <laughs> to undergo Bakanovsky's process. Franklin's process, repeated the director, <laughs> and the students snuggled the words in their little <laughs> notebooks. <laughs> one egg, one embryo, one adult norma- normality. But a Bakanovskified egg will bud, will pl- proliferate, will crash. From 72 to 35 buds, every bud will grow into a bigly formed embryo, and every embryo into a full-sized adult, making 96 human beings grow where only 420 grew before. Progress! (laughs) Essentially, the DHC concluded, (laughs) Bakanovskification consists of a series of arrests of development. We check the Paleolithic growth, and paradoxically enough, the eggs respond. Egg responds by budding. Responds by budding. The pencils were busy. The photosynthes or he photosynthesized. <laughs> he must He's have <laughs> On a very slowly moving band, <laughs> a rack full of test tubes was entering a decrepit, engorged box. <laughs> Another rackful was emerging. Machinery incompetently purred. It took a decade for the tubes to go through, he told them. Eight minutes of hard x-rays being about as much as an egg can stand. <laughs> a decade, eight minutes, you know, one of the Everything's same. Everything's relative. <laughs> a few curdled the rest. Oh. <clears throat> the least susceptible divided into two. Most put out four buds, some four. (laughs) All were returned to the incubators, where the buds began to fraternize. (laughs) Then, after two days, were inadvertently chilled, chilled, and checked. (laughs) Two, seventeen, eight. The buds in their turn budded, and having budded, were dosed almost to death with coffee. (laughs) consequently burgeoned again and having budded bud out of bud out of bud were thereafter further arrest being generally fatal left to develop in peace by which the time the original egg was in a fair way to becoming anything from 12 to 9 embryos a prodigious (laughs) improvement you will agree on nature vengeful twins but not in piddling twos and threes as in the old spicy days, when an egg <laughs> would spice. sometimes accidentally divide, actually no! by dozens, by scores at a time. No! Scores, the director repeated, and flung out his medulla oblongata. Ouch! As, <laughs> as though That's he were distributing largesse. Scores. <laughs> so wow. how, many, how many eggs do we end up with? <laughs> 9 to 12. 9 to 12. 12 to 9. 96, where 400 and something had once been. It's, 10 years. It's fine. 8, eight minutes. minutes fine. fine. I think their math is faulty. Yeah, just a bit. Yay! Toddlers are fun. Yeah. But yeah. why? 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 Ah! Yeah, but he's so much fun to have around. He is. It's good to have junior chefs. Littlest junior chef. Yeah. The juniorist of the juniors. The juniorist. <laughs> he's really juniory. Well, you know what else are the est of things? 
You're the cheesiest of hosts. That's definitely true. <laughs> but you know who are the best of people? Me. Okay. People who make things. Me. Like books. And, you. And podcasts and audio dramas. Wordsmiths. Us. Yes. And then they send us, like, audio promotions of their things. We send ourselves things? Yeah, sometimes. It's happened. When we get lonely. Wait a minute. We're not talking about us, are we? No. That's, that's We're the talking opposite. about the other people. Yeah, us is the opposite of what I was talking about. I get it. Yeah. How about we listen to something about them? That's what I was hoping for. Oh, now I get it. Introducing Archivos, a new story development tool that allows writers and gamers to document the story elements of their settings, map the relationship between those elements, and then display those connections through three unique interfaces. One of those displays is the story web. Every story element is presented as an avatar with any related elements orbiting around it. It's a single display that illuminates the complete network of connectivity of your story world. Plus, like all of Archivos' display modes, the story web is searchable and filterable, so you can explore the aspects of your story world that captures your imagination. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos. Your stories illuminated. I think we're back. Did you like that thing that we just promoted? I did. Yeah? Thoroughly. What was it? (laughs) Relatable. (laughs) And poignant. With a direct message. Quite stirring. Of things that we support on our show. Cheese. You know, what? what's the worst kind of cheese? There is no worst. The, 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 the worst kind of cheese is the cheese eat. I've already eaten. So it's been processed. Yes. Ugh. Kind of like that cheese in a can. Oh, don't even talk to me about that. Well, Flashback to college days. The whiz of cheese. Uh, uh, well, it's processed. It's processed, so therefore it is no longer cheese. Yeah. It is no longer what it was before. A fundamental change has taken place within the properties of the cheese. We should do that to words. I have a feeling we already did. Yeah, but this is a new a new segment that I'm trying to introduce. I, I know that. That's where I was leading. Oh. We already did because it's a new segment. Oh, that makes sense. It's like yeah. we're on the same wavelength or something. I'm still we're processing. All, we're all on the same podcast. So anyway, we'll be introducing exactly what this new segment is. Within the the segment itself. Yeah, so enjoy the processed food segment. New and improved. New. Just just new. Still in the packaging. Mint in package? Mint condition. Oh, minty cheese. Go to the segment! Go to the segment! So this is a new segment that Aaron and I cooked up. Get it? I see what you did there. Yeah, you should see what I did there. You sat down. I sat down. This is the processed food segment where... It's kind of similar to mystery meals in that we're destroying something. Things that have good words that have already been out in the world. Well, I think with the processed foods, we're going to want to try to keep it more to like TV and movie monologues, really. Yes. Um, or stage play. Yeah, potentially. Um, because what we're doing here is we're taking, like I said, monologues and putting them through a few layers of Google Translate. So through several languages and then back into English. And just utterly destroying them. So the way this is going to work 
is Erin is going to read the original monologue, and then she's going to read the processed version. For this first segment of our processed foods, our selection is... This is Morpheus's monologue from The Matrix, where he's offering Neo the red pill or the blue pill. I got some big shoes to fill here. Yeah, you do. Don't, oh, don't, don't be Lawrence Fisher. You be you. Get out of my way. Okay. You're sitting in my chair. Yeah. It's a stool. Out of the chair. So first, the original version. I can imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice, hmm? Tumbling down the rabbit hole? I see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he's expecting to wake up. Ironically, that's not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neo? I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You've felt it your entire life that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us, even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Into a prison that you cannot taste or see or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Follow me. Those are some beautiful words. Very, very nice. Let's destroy them, shall we? So this has been processed from English mm -hmm. into Romanian, Esperanto, Italian, Chinese, and then back into English. And this is what we get. Yay, Google Translate. Mm-hmm. I think now you heard Alice, okay? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Draw a rabbit's lair. I saw your eyes. <laughs> you look like a man who accepts what he sees because he wants to wake up. The irony is that this is not far from the truth. Yay, Google Translate. Think about luck, Neo. <laughs> <laughs> What's fun is actually getting the punctuation in there. <laughs> yes. I know exactly what you mean. I tell you why you are here. <laughs> you are here because you know something. You know what you can't explain. But you feel it. <laughs> you have felt this in your life, and there is a problem in this world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Just like the split in your heart. You are crazy. <laughs> That feeling brought you to my side. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. Around us now in this room. 
We, <laughs> you can see it when you watch or turn on the TV in the window. <laughs> but not the one on the on the counter. No, just, no. just the one in the window. When you watch the TV in the window. You can feel when you work, when you go to church, when you pay taxes. I'm sorry, I just saw the next sentence. The world kills you with the truth because your eyes are tense. <laughs> you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born in slavery. You can't taste it in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at it or touch it. <laughs> Prison for your thoughts. <laughs> Is that like penny for your thoughts? <laughs> Unfortunately, no one can be warned. This is the Matrix. <laughs> you have to look at it yourself. This is your last chance. After that, there is no return. <laughs> Take the blue pill. The story is over. You get up and sleep. Think about what you want to believe. <laughs> get up and sleep. <laughs> Oh, God. Take the red pill and leave it in Wonderland to tell us how deep the rabbit hole is. <laughs> Remember, everything I can offer is true. Nothing else. <laughs> Follow me. <laughs> okay, Google Translate. Yeah, so you got some issues there. <laughs> so that's how this works. Um, I figured we'd do an easy one. Again, a very uh, a well-known monologue. Recognizable. And just a couple of languages passed through. That was only four different languages four before layers. it was back to English. So we can take these and I can go through a lot of languages with them. Mm -hmm. and we really can make them even worse. Them. So that's how this works. Um, this isn't going to be something that we do ridiculously often, just every now and then for, for a little when bit of fun. When we need a laugh. Yeah, for a little bit of fun. So hope you enjoyed. Um, if you have any suggestions for monologues we can do, Seriously. Please, please let us know. Um, I'm terrified to do Shakespeare because that's hard enough to understand already. For you, maybe. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's kind of my thing. I know you're weird. Yeah, but yeah. So, yay for processed foods. So, Aaron. Yeah. You have fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like a horrible person. No, don't. Because it was just wrong. Oh, it's fun. Butchering. And we'll be butchering. Doing, we'll be doing it a lot more. I'm still trying to scrub the image of mint cheese out of my mind. <laughs> oh, why'd you bring it up again? What is wrong with you? Okay, well... Minty is just cold spicy. <gasps> that should keep him going for a while. Go, yeah. talk. Okay, so it is time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye. For now. Not, for now. Not, not, not completely yet. Well, we, not completely we, yet. We have business. We have business. There's an echo in here. You were telling me what to say, so I'm saying it. <laughs> I follow orders. I are I are good co-host. That's a first. Anyway, yes. first and foremost, we have our prompts. For they tell you what to send to us. Yeah. Probably. So if so if you <laughs> wow. So if you want to have stoke the fires, you know, produced on this show, send them to us. You need to know what to write about stuff. So we have two prompts currently open. The first stuff, to quote AF Grappen, is prompt number sixteen. The sounds on top of the roof suddenly stopped. And prompt number 17. You have a dinosaur bodyguard. We've gotten a couple, <laughs> sub we've gotten a couple submissions in for that one. I'm, I actually I haven't had a chance to read them yet. I'm behind on submissions. I apologize to everybody ever. Uh, everybody ever. Mm -hmm. So you're finally apologizing for that thing in 12th grade? Shh. I mean, I wasn't even there or involved in it in any way, but I still know about it. Look, the encyclopedia survived, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, along with our prompts, uh, 1,500 words or less, based on one or more of them, and send it to us. 
We like them, and we will do things with them. Appropriate things. Yes. Like reading and producing them. Yes. Nothing inappropriate ever. What kind of inappropriate things can they do on the internet? I... <laughs> you um, really want to go down that path. Um, this this is not Nobilis's feed. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So what kind of appropriate things can they do on, say, iTunes? Listen to music? What can Buy they, things? What can they do, re- you know, related to us? Listen to us. And... Give us 70 stars. There it is. She's a genius. Yeah. Yeah, she's very yeah. genius. Yeah. Is she an Apple genius? We don't talk. It's iTunes. No. No. No, this is not. You. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> you broke it. Yay. You broke it. 70 stars. Stop breaking dishes, Theo. Crash. So, yeah, go on iTunes. Find our podcast. My cabbages. Find our podcast, drop some stars, drop a review. It helps. Very much so. Where else on the internet can they go to find stuff related to us? Facebook. They can go to the Facebook group. That's not quite what I was going for. But yeah, we have a we have an active Facebook group that we like to interact with people. That's where we put the requests for mystery meal words and all that kind of stuff. So there's that. Where else? Patreon. Yes, Patreon now. I did a thing. Yes. Yay! I also did a thing. I finally changed the URL. Darn tootin' you it did. about time. Patreon. Oh, I figured out how to do it like two months ago. Patreon.com slash The Melting Podcast. Ooh. We are only $16 an episode away from being able to pay contributors. <laughs> we want to be able to pay you for your words. Yes. As little as $1 an episode gets you physical swag. It gets you involved. It helps us out. Do $3 an episode, 5 10 20. 70 I don't have a tier for that, actually, but you can. I'm you not... can still send it to us. We have, have a... PayPal. Yeah, we're not going to complain. <laughs> it just helps us upgrade things, pay contributors, eventually pay voice actors, might get somebody professional to make our website because I nice suck. Nice to pay ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. After taxes. and. But anyway, patreon.com <laughs> slash podcast. Stop being real, Theo. Now, Gosh. the last place on the internet you can throw money at us. Spreadshirt! <laughs> says shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast. I put some new stuff up there. You realize you close your eyes every time you say that, right? I have to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, because I can't. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, I just put some new stuff up there. Uh, I'm going to hopefully continue doing new stuff. If people send us like fan art, I can do, you know, t-shirts of those. So, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. another way you can contribute and get something back because people would be sporting your art. Yeah. Yeah. So things. Anyway, I think that's about it. Yes, we told them how to send us stuff. Mm-hmm. We told them how to make us more visible on iTunes. Uh-huh. We told them where to support us with dollars. Right. And to support us with swag that also equals more dollars. Mm-hmm. That's that's about it. So I think it's about time to get that birthday cake out of the oven. And Why? I'm sorry, st- we're four. I have to. Why? Uh, no. Well, I still want to know why somebody put the ice cream cake in the oven. It wasn't done yet. <laughs> was it underbaked? Yes. Oh my god, really? It was a cake batter flavored ice cream. I am so done. <laughs> I, I guess here's to another year. Frosted with minty cheese. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, I was going to go with cookie dough, but I like your birthday batter. You have a better batter. Birthday batter batter. <laughs> Please make it stop. Hey, batter, batter, batter. Hey, batter, batter. Cheese. And a miss. Yeah, if you guys want a whole another year of this, um, send us stuff. I'm sorry. 
And we'll use it to feed the masses. Still sorry. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>